Welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. I'm Lauren from Swansea United Kingdom and with me as always is... It's Brian in Buffalo, New York, USA, shivering away. How are you? Don't you have something to say to me? No. (laughs) (laughs) My birthday... I know if you, once you hear the episode, you'll notice that there's a lot of happy birthdays before we started talking that I edited in. <laughs> happy, happy birthday. birthday. It's Lauren's birthday, everybody. How are you, Lauren? 35. Yeah, I was going to say, you feel old? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember 35 like it was yesterday. Other than lockdown, do you do anything special for your birthday? Do you... Uh, oh, Brian, I'm in lockdown. What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> you know, it's funny because we've been in lockdown since my birthday. If you remember, we went into lockdown the week of my birthday last year in March. Yeah. We've gone full circle. <sighs> I know. We got a lot of shows out of this, though, didn't we? We did. We've got some really good guests because of lockdown as well. Yeah, and we got some great ones tonight. We got an old friend and a new friend joining us tonight. That's all the tease I'm going to give right now because it's going to be a fun show. But we want to talk other stuff first, like uh, birthdays. And uh, did, did, did Theo give you anything for your birthday? Um, yeah. Yeah. His mum got me something from all of them. Aw. Yeah. Did he, did, did, does he acknowledge other people's birthdays or just his own? Um, it, just the cake of other people's birthdays. Ooh, I like cake. <laughs> he just wants to know if there's cake and if he's having any of it and, um, can he have some of it? Um... And then he doesn't care. So what's the traditional birthday cake in Wales? Um, cakey cake. <laughs> Sponge. <laughs> Jam cream. Now, do, do they have, like, ice cream cakes there? It's not a thing. It does exist, but it's not, like, a massive thing. It used to exist when we had a Baskin-Robbins, but we don't have a Baskin-Robbins anymore. So you can get, like, ice cream cakes everywhere in the u.s and that's probably the reason we're all diabetic it's just not a very good material for a cake oh it's fucking wonderful what are you crazy Um, i've never had it so i don't know how it works i just thought it was like ice cream oh no oh no oh no 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 because i know we've we've got like our Arctic roll, which is like a Swiss roll with ice cream in the middle rather than cream. Yeah, that's bullshit. No, this is like... Um, Actually, that's that's Theo's favorite cake. Yeah, so, well, it's because he's never I'll had ice cream cake from bullshit. the U.S. There's these crunchy things in there. I don't know what they're made of, but I think they're made out of, like, the devil's semen because they're so delicious. Seems kind of wrong, though, to have a winter birthday and then to demand ice cream cake. I can't have any of it now. It doesn't matter when my birthday is. 
They'll take my foot. I'm sure it's not that dramatic. Ice cream cake is. Oh my god, ice cream cake is so good. Like, if you had, like, a big plate of Duff's chicken wings and followed it with, like, an ice cream cake, I would go in... I'd vomit. I would go in orgasmic food coma. It would be wonderful. Duff's wings. If we you're in a coma. About, we haven't talked about Duff's wings in a while. No, I just want to know, did you did your brother ever go in there and say, oh, I've heard all about you on this show? Well, he's a regular, so he couldn't get away with it. But we have told them. We have officially told them they are mentioned on our show quite often, and they love it. I haven't gotten free shit yet, but uh, we're hoping. Do you still carry your Duff's bag around to like, show them. off? Of course I do. Of course I do. And do people say, what the hell is My that? My favorite bag. Yeah. There's like, what the hell? You say it's the greatest and wings Corey in the world. Corey was really annoyed because he thought I'd had chicken wings without him because his favorite, his favorite chicken is KFC chicken. I said he'd like it. Oh, he would. He love. likes KFC, and I mean he's obsessed with KFC. I mean, he gets in a bat like any child if they get taken to a fast food restaurant would be overjoyed. He can have a tantrum, can Corey, if it's not KFC. Well, do you know, my brother, Kevin, is obsessed with chicken. He eats chicken for, like, every meal. And when you ask him what the best side dishes for chicken is, he'll say chicken. I remember in pre-COVID days when they actually had Chinese buffets, because, you know, they're all gone now. You can't have those. Me and him would go to a Chinese buffet, and he'd come back to the table with, like, eight different kinds of chicken on his plate. That's that's excellent. But no, I do like my bag very much, my Duff's bag. Oh, Duff's. Now I'm hungry. Did you tell them about the bag and where it was going? Oh, yeah. What did they say? They just looked at me and kind of shook their head. It's a really good shopping bag. It's a great bag. And it's, you know, it smelled like Cleo, didn't it? Because <laughs> she it crawled did. in the bag before I sent it. And she's like, you can't send this bag. This is my bag. Yeah, she claims everything. Well, was she upset when you when um, it disappeared? When it like disappeared, was she like, no, "Oh no, no"? But get this: I didn't think cats could like actually see designs and images on things and understand what they were. But um, I have a couple. You're telling of... me Cleo can read? Well, I don't know if she can read so much, but. I, you know, we have all these, like, you know, reusable bags because you have to use those for shopping now. And I have a couple that have Baby Yoda, you know, Grogu on them. And Cleo hates yeah. Grogu. No! Yeah, because Cleo gets jealous because every time Grogu's on the screen, I'm like, oh, look, you're cute, cute. And Cleo's like, hey, wait a second, Daddy. I'm the only one that's that cute. So she gets pissed. And now she sees the bag with Grogu on them. And she, like, tries to tear him apart. Did they ever establish who who that child's father was? I am not Grogu's dad. Stop it. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just confused by it all, because I've started watching it now. I don't get, uh, cause, um, I, but I, I don't get a chance to, like, binge watch anything. Well, and I'm just like, where is its parents? <laughs> that show should not be binge watched anyway. The brilliant thing about Disney Plus in that show was releasing it one episode per week. 
Because it's the oh, kind yeah, of show that people that. should talk about for a week and think about and wonder about, and then they get more excited about. When you binge watch a show, it's like it's there and then it's gone. It depends. If it's a show where I know there isn't going to be new stuff of it, I will binge watch it then. Because that's sort of just getting out of the way. Say it's a show that's started. Yeah, again, and getting it out of the way. Coming to it very late. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I do like the fact that Netflix. Amazon and Disney will release things weekly because they did that. Uh, Amazon did that with Picard, um, uh, and um, Netflix does it with uh, Discovery. But I don't know because I think in America it gets shown on on a proper television channel. You know what kind of pisses me off? They were just releasing like the biggest things of twenty twenty. You know, yeah. year end shit that came out, and. Well, I- Obviously, number one was COVID. Yeah. The U.S. election was number two. And fucking Tiger King was number three. Oh, Tiger King. Ugh. I blame I blame my dog for making me watch that because she just likes so I I watched it out of curiosity and she wasn't very well, so she just sort of plumped herself and I didn't want to disturb her, so I just watched okay. Tiger King. I don't want to hear that. It was just out of curiosity because. Okay, listeners, go back into the archives. Lauren <laughs> obsesses on Tiger King for several episodes. <laughs> it was really funny, though. It was. I almost it made me bought you her. a shirt. I almost bought you a Tiger King shirt and sent it to you that I saw online. That um, It was just a picture of Joe Exotic with a Santa hat on, and it said, Merry Christmas to all except that bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> I saw that, and that was perfect. That was <laughs> hilarious. Beautiful. Oh. And oh my god, she was on Dancing with the Stars. <sighs> Alright, we gotta move on to a different topic now because no more Tiger King. <laughs> I don't think that I, I think there's gonna be a Nicolas Cage drama series about Jerry Exotic. I you know, I heard they were gonna do that, but I think it was called off because it was such a flash in the pan thing. Um, you know, you know I like Ghost Hunter, Ghost Adventures, and I've not seen it yet because it's it's not come to the UK yet. But their Halloween episode was ghost hunting at Joe Exotics um, Zoo. <laughs> they were trying to contact his because um, because one of his boyfriends because he has this really bizarre love life where uh, he could he, uh, he's he's married to two men at one point. Um, and one of them com- accidentally committed suicide. Are they Mormon? No, they're not Mormon. And um, that that was the premise of Ghost Adventures. And he's also bought some things from Tiger King's Zoo. And I'm like, I'm not quite sure how Lauren. this is. What? Lauren. If yeah. anything should prove to you that ghost hunting shows are complete bullshit fiction... It's that. Yeah, but you don't watch it for the um for for that. You watch it to see them get hysterical over over being in the dark. Or you watch it because you're you might never get to that place in America. Uh, you know, I, I can't bash it because one of our best episodes was the talking about the ghost stories with uh, with Kurt and John in Neil. That was fun. And I think we gotta we gotta do How another one of those soon. How can you bash it 
when John pulled that rabbit out of the hat. Because it was fun, and I don't think it was anything supernatural. Cell phone what do you tower think it interference. Was? But it was creepy, mine. It was. It was creepy. Um, I mean, the thing is, you know, the thing about ghost stories and about the the existence of ghosts is that it doesn't have to be true. It's about being creepy. Hmm. I think that's going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> What? It's not about being true. It's about being creepy. Yeah. But, all, you know, you've, you've got to admit that on on the strange sessions that um, some of the EVPs that they have caught and they have shared with their audience were very interesting. Yeah. And uh, big shout out to the strange because... sessions. Um, you know, they're in their hiatus now in between seasons. We don't do that. Um, but uh, they'll be coming back soon, and hopefully they'll be joining us because, for another episode soon. It's because Brian doesn't let us, and he's holding me hostage. That's I'm <laughs> holding you hostage from across the water. Yeah, yeah, he is. He makes me do this. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm a bastard. I'm a terrible, terrible guy. So birthday this is girl, why come we on. get emails in about you being obnoxious. I haven't asked you that in a while. I haven't asked you, have we had any emails or any messages? I don't messages? want to talk about it. What? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> What's happened? No, actually, that's that's not true. We've, all, the, all the mail and feedback we've gotten lately has been positive. And you know what the majority of it's been? People who bought stuff from our merch store. Awesome. I was like, Michelle's designs are fantastic. and Oh, absolutely. They're, they're... Yeah. So, people, go to the description of the show, check out the merch store, um, check out your Transatlantic History Ramblings merch, your Pro Planet Pluto merch, and check out our other social media sites. You know, we're available via email at trans.history.rambling at gmail.com, and on Twitter at TA History. and where else are we, Lauren? Facebook, which is at History, Ram- no, um, History Ramblings, uh, is our group. And there's some questions that you've got to answer. Um, though you get there before I do, because I think most of our um, the people that join the group are in America, and I don't see those. Like I'll see them if you've done it very quickly, um, but I don't get to see any of the any of the people that want to join. And um, at History Ramblings for Instagram as well. You know what's funny? Um, we've got a couple of those spam things trying to join. Because I didn't see anybody joining for a while. Um, but I, I did do one where somebody answered the questions. And they, they I think they'd only listened to a couple of episodes because they were, they, they were very sweet. And they were like, oh, I, I'm not quite sure what my favorite part of the show is yet. But... The way they answered the question, should Brian stop asking, is Pluto a planet? They said yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just for that, I'm going to bring that question back. It hasn't been there for a few episodes, but welcome back, Pluto. And there's Pro Planet Pluto merch. But, uh, Lauren, we got uh, got a great, great show coming up. So we better do our, uh, our days in history. And since you're the birthday girl, you can go first. Today in history. <laughs> OK, 
Okay, okay. Mine is from 1535. Francisco Pizarro found the city of Lima in Peru, and he was a conquistador. Those pesky conquistadors. Those conquistadors keep coming up. The conquistadors. Yes. I, I think I think well I'm, I think I'm meant to say conquistador, but it's conquistador. It is. So, I, I want to know why your day in history wasn't you were born today. Because, I mean, we've said about it so many times, and just you know. Today in history, 2021, Theo ate cake. Yeah. I tell you, that boy is going to be the man from Wolf Wall Street. Well, I have a very um, fun day in history. You ready? Yeah. Today in history, January 18th, 1974. The television show The Six Million Dollar Man starring Lee Majors premieres. Are you familiar with The Six Million Dollar Man? Uh, yes. You know, he got the bionic parts. He did. Do you know, I looked it up, I did a little research. If that were to happen to him today, he would be the $31,670,870.21 man. Wow. You've been saving that one up for a while, haven't you? I just want to know, that wouldn't have the same flow, though, would it? No. Well... You want me to uh, tell you what we got on the agenda for tonight with our guests? Yes, please, because I've been kept in the dark about this one. Yeah, you know, there's a relatively new show on YouTube called Spooky Horror that you turned me on to. Oh, I love that show. Well, guess who I got in touch with? No way! Yes, I did. The host of the show, who, uh, it's fantastic, people, um... He does all kinds of topics throughout history. We're gonna we're gonna be focusing in on one episode that he did, um, an early episode of his show. Uh, guess which one it is, Lauren? Oh, is it Houdini's girl detective? It is, and the reason we're bringing Ash on to talk about this is because you turned me on to it. I reached out to him. I want to help him promote his show, and then I realized something. He's another friggin' UKer, and I ain't gonna be outnumbered. Mm-hmm. So guess what I did? You got someone to join you. I got our friend John Cox to come on with us too. So John's going to come on. Ash is going to come on. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be talking about his show. We're going to be talking more Houdini. And we're just going to have all kinds of fun. So in honor of your birthday, Lauren, I'll even let you fire up the magic interview box. That's amazing. It's the magic interview box. And you want to flip the switch as well? Yes, please. All right, flip away. All right, Lauren, I got not one, but two special guests for you today, okay? None of them are going to make fun of my glasses like on Halloween now, are they? No. No, because one of them is not Neil, but I did bring John. John Cox is back with us. Hi, John. Hi, guys. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lauren. Good to see you both. And you too. Lauren, this is going to be so cool because you turned me on to this, okay? I did. (laughs) There's this YouTube channel, guys. you got to check it out. It's called Spooky History. And, you know, we love everything spooky. 
and history, since we're a history podcast. And uh, there was this amazing episode that involved one of our favorite topics, the good old Houdini. And I said, fuck it, I'm reaching out to this this dude, and I'm going to see if he'll come on our show. And get this, he said, is that the one with Lauren? And I said, yeah, and he goes, okay, I'll do it, just because just Lauren's there. You're, you're kind of obnoxious, but... Uh, he, no, he didn't. He did. He did. So I got a hold of him. He's here, Mr. Ash Price, who's got what what a fucking cool name that is, okay? First off. <laughs> and Thank you. Ash has got he's coming on. He's gonna talk about uh Houdini with us. He's gonna talk about spooky history. He's gonna talk about whatever he wants because he's got one of those accents, John. <laughs> yeah, one of those yeah. accents that makes you sound smart, uh, even if you aren't, right? Yeah, yeah. So me and you are going to sound like idiots, and uh, Lauren and, and Ash are going to be like, you know, everyone's going to go, "Ooh, they have two intellects on the show with those uh, with those morons." I'm pretty but sure he is smart. Yeah, I'm pretty sure but he you... is smart too, but we're going to sound stupid because these. You're, you're are... a moron with Bella Lugosi over your shoulder. I can see Bella Lugosi. That's actually not Bella Lugosi. Wall. No, it's not. It's no, not. it's not. No. No, I, I only see the eyes. You know who it is, Jen, We We you? just, we use the accent to hide the fact that um, we're actually not that smart. <laughs> That's right. It's all she, misdirection. She's she so not smart. She got, she guessed the wrong person. Actually, it is someone pretending to be Bella Lugosi. That's half right. <laughs> it was. John, do you know who it is? I, I'm blocking his name, but it's from Ed Wood. It's, it's yes, the great Martin Landau. Martin Landau. He won a one an autograph photo of Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi. I but love that movie. No one's going to see that because this is audio only. We're just on video um, talking to each other so we could see each other's reactions to this because we love seeing Lauren blush, blush whenever we talk about oranges. <laughs> he brought an orange <laughs> So. I haven't brought any fruit with me. Is that a requirement of the show? Do I have to bring fruit onto no, it? No. Well, just oranges but I do bananas. like your mug because, Ash, I, I have subscribed to that coffee as well. It's oh, really yes. strong coffee. It's very good. Um, yeah. it, during the early days of the first lockdown, my wife, who we weren't married at the time, we were still living separately. And Sinners! She kind of kept sending, yeah, <laughs> she kept sending me hints of, I, I really want this coffee, I really want this coffee. So, um during lockdown that was my lockdown gift to my fiance <laughs> so you got Strong married coffee. Coffee. Uh, we we got married on halloween um Aww. yeah the restrictions had had uh, loosened enough that we were able to go ahead with it uh so we got married at the city chambers in the center of edinburgh uh it was a smaller affair than we'd like uh, fewer people than we'd like but we were able to do it um so that was something good that we were able to actually do it Oh, so sweet. Let me tell you yes. something. This COVID shit, I've, I've had it, okay? And we're uh, we're having a bad go of it here in the States right now. And, I've uh, seen. You know, we don't record the days we post these episodes, people. I gotta, I gotta let y'all in on a little, uh, little behind-the-scenes tidbit and secret here. Um, this is being recorded on January 9th. So, those of you who know anything about what's going on in the world today, John and I are pretty fucked up right now about the state of affairs in our country. And um, I just want to get that out of the way and say to people that uh, 
you know, insurrection and treason is never okay. And uh, we're, we're just really, I'm very hurt and disgusted by it all. And I, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but uh, it's, it's, it's fucking evil. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. John, do you have anything to say about it? You know, um, I, I, I managed 2020 without kind of, giving in to despair uh even with all the covid nonsense you know i i was able to hang in there and understand what was going on this got me this finally made me sink into a depression and a despair um i just it's just unbelievable it is and i just you know but you just always look for is there some good in this and that well at least it came to a head at least we now know what this man is about and what is going on with these people. And here they are, and here is their intentions. And are we going to move forward with this um, situation? Or are we going to finally say, you know what, we got to get back to being civil and 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 run a government that is that where we debate but find compromise. Hopefully, the adults come back in, and I think they are. I think we we've seen throughout this this time since the election that you know it's brave judges are just <laughs> holding the line and they're throwing out this nonsense and election officials are saying no we're going to do what's proper and even the vp finally said no i'm going to do what's proper so i think it's just good people are finally saying you know what we're going to follow the law not emotions not a madman so i don't know hope, hopefully but but you know i don't know how many times <laughs> i've said it, it it can't get worse uh, but I feel like it, 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 maybe we've hit a point where we can begin to turn around. Have they decided whether they're going to invoke the 25th or impeach yet? It's up in the air right now. They're impeaching, now. aren't they? Yeah, they're, I think the, the last I heard was that they're going to introduce articles of impeachment on Monday, that the 25th Amendment has to start with the vice president, and he's not going to do that, so it's more about impeachment. You know, um I would sure love to see Trump's, I mean, not, you know, his pension taken away and all the things that that, that presidents get. So I'm, I'm kind of all yes. for it just to punish, just to punish him and... And, 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 and prevent uh, him from it, running again. And prevent mm-hmm. him from running again, sure, yeah. Now, Which, well, if you, if you get adults back in your politics, can we have some, please, over here? <laughs> I, you know, I was going to say, to bring it back to the humor of our show... <laughs> You know how I was talking earlier about how, you know, Ash and Lorne are going to make us sound stupid with their accents? The fact that Boris Johnson actually sounded like the smart one in the room this week scares the hell out of me. Further proof that the accent, you know, it's all it's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it scared you. We live here. <laughs> so, off of that Well, I live in Wales, so we're, we're, we're ruled by Labour, and that's equally as scary, because they can't run the country either. No. I, I, I live in Scotland. Uh, we, we seem to be kind of doing all right. Um, there are some issues with with the SNP that even as someone who's on the left, I kind of think, I don't quite agree with some of the stuff they're doing. But I think, I think out of the, the options of central Johnson run... Um, and then, obviously, you've got Labour in Wales, and we've got SNP up here. I, I think we're we're probably doing slightly better <laughs> in England. In Scotland, uh, are you? Where are you from? I am originally from Leicester, which is in the Midlands of England, and uh, is not at all spelt how it's pronounced. No, um, but you it, did win. You did win um, the premiership. Um, 
in the biggest upset in sports history, and uh, you are the home of the Elephant Man, which of course, yes. I petitioned to have the name of the team changed to the Leicester City Elephant Men after the victory. <laughs> and I had Joe uh, Viger, who is the uh, official historian of Leicester and the historian of Joseph Merrick. And uh, she was on, and she's the one doing the statue project at the statue bill. She agreed with me. Uh, the team's name should be changed to the Leicester City Elephant Men. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I entirely support that decision. Um, absolutely. Because obviously we've got, we've got him. There's also um, Richard III as well, that they found buried... Uh, under a car park. Yeah, I'm only going to mention one yeah. deformed person from Australia at a time. Oh, it wasn't it of social services car park as well, which is I think hilarious. It was. Yeah, it was. It was just found buried underneath, underneath a car park, and it was just yeah, they've been debated so long. Yeah, I saw well, wouldn't be too far away from him. Um, you know, it's, I've not been home in quite a while. Um. It's not something I get to do very often, especially not now, sadly. But uh, I, I do enjoy Leicester's history. We do have a lovely, beautiful tapestry of history. I should put you in touch with Joe Viger. Um, maybe oh, uh, yes. do a little connection on your show about Leicester history. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the early episodes we did on Belgrave Hall uh, what, it was based in Leicester because Belgrave Hall is just on the outskirts of the city. Um, so that was kind of one of the early ones I wanted to try and cover. And when we put together a list of some of the episodes we wanted to get out and done, like Belgrave Hall was one of the first ones. Like, let's let's look at this because there was a a really famous ghost video from the nineties that uh, apparently caught a ghostly figure wandering through the gardens. Uh, it was almost certainly a leaf, but um, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but for a while, it was um, a really compelling and uh, ghost sighting that got attention of media all over the country. So you're from Leicester. You live in Scotland. You yep. kind of got a mixed accent right now because I hear a little bit of the Scottish accent, but it's far more British. Lawrence and Wales. We're going to have some fun here, okay? Oh, yeah. John, you ready for this? We're making fun of the accent. Okay, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Ash, you go first. Say the word crinkle. Uh, crinkle. Try not to use the American accent you just did. Say Did crinkle. I? Yeah. Crinkle. Lauren? Crinkle. <laughs> crinkle. <laughs> crinkle. You got to have that American drawl. John, say, tell them how to say it. Crinkle. Yeah. I don't know. I, they all sound the same to me. Crinkle. <laughs> I think mine's softer too because I'm from California. Crinkle. Yeah, that's my, true. My accent is my accent is a little bit messed up because my my grandparents were from Yorkshire, which is in the north of England. So I, I have the Midlands accent and the the northern accent all fighting, and then the little bit of the Scots that's obviously creeped in over the years, and then theatre training background as well. So my my accent is somewhat of a of a Frankenstein um, accent. Yorkshire. Home of one of my favorite musicians of all time, uh, Mr. Bill Nelson. Of Bebop Deluxe and Red Noise and solo career fame. I am not familiar. Of course not, because apparently I just made it up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Great guitar player, Yorkshire, England. Um, But we got to get to the topic at hand because we're having too much fun making fun of accents. And I want to talk about oranges. Speaking of which, you see the oranges behind Lauren's shoulder, and John's got one held up. Ash, do you know anything about the orange story? <laughs> I know, no, I know nothing about the orange story. 
I would love to know about the Orange School. <laughs> All right. Well, since you did an episode involving the great Harry Houdini, uh, John, explain the significance of oranges and why they become such a part of our show. <laughs> well, it it goes to you know. There's lots of Houdini mythologies, and in one of the one of the pieces of mythology is how he met his wife. And there's an elaborate story that was told in the first biography uh, about Houdini that. It's sort of a very romantic tale. She was a schoolgirl, and he spilled acid on her dress, and she was upset, and so he had his mother, you know, make her a new dress, and then he took her to Coney Island and said, you know, if, if you were my wife, you would never, you know, have to worry about, uh, about being punished again. I'm just paraphrasing this, and, and, and he proposed to her on the spot. Very romantic, romanticized story. There are a few alternate versions of, of this story. Houdini himself said we met on a streetcar. So it's like, well, how exactly did they meet? His brother finally told the real story. It was that Bessie was a showgirl in Coney Island, and they were, they were performing in Coney Island. And his brother dated her first, and then uh, Houdini met uh, his brother's new girlfriend and immediately stole her away. And that was the story. <laughs> But Bessie, in a, in, in a moment of candor, told Dorothy Young, who was uh, Houdini's assistant, and she lived to a, to a ripe old age, she said, Mrs. H told me that she traded her virginity to Houdini for an orange. Wow, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's uh, the, ulti- the ultimate uh, candid version of things. So when I told that story, or when that story came up, uh, it embarrassed Lauren, and so Brian has not, has not let go. So now every time I'm on the show, oranges come up at some point. <laughs> I'm guessing oranges were a lot more of a commodity back in the day. No, well, they're actually, just delicious. <laughs> but also, more of a Satsuma uh, fan myself. And it probably was that they're you know they were they were both pretty poor and they're they're form you know eking out a living in Coney Island and oranges in New York. This would have been June. I wonder if that would have anything to do with it. Might have been something pretty special, and he might have just said you know dangled that in front of look what I got for you. I mean, I would love to hear more of the story. I mean, the, all we know is that one quote that Bessie told. I don't want to hear what position it was. I don't want to hear how they did it. I don't want to hear more of the story, you sick bastard. Do you think there were chains involved? I'm no, sure. I, I bet an orange, having an orange in Coney Island at that time might have been a, a, like, a, you know, giving someone flowers. And like, this is a very beautiful, a very beautiful act of love. There could be something romantic in this. Yeah. To be honest, if someone gave me like a, a little bag of satsumas or something, I think I, I could be I could be turned. Yeah. Yeah. The um, year would have been eighteen ninety four and it was June and it's in New York in Coney Island. Uh you know, how would would, would oranges be plentiful? Or was that something uh, unique and special? Maybe he made it appear, you know? With magic. And then he made it disappear. <laughs> oh, of course, there is that um, the cup and balls routine magic trick, which usually ends with something like an orange or a lemon appearing at the end, at the climax of the routine. So uh, maybe that's part of the larger story. Maybe he was doing something like that. That's very interesting. You may be right. That might have been the moment where she said, hey, this this gentleman is is uh, worth the time and trouble. Anyone that can produce an orange out of nowhere. I, uh, yeah, um, I don't even know what to say. Lauren, what do you have to say about that? I don't think there's anything you can say about that. <laughs> uh, do you like citrus It is fruit? what it is. Yes, I do. <laughs> Speaking of oranges and magic and cups and balls, um, Ash comes from a magic background, actually. Um, yes. Yeah, give us a little lowdown on your, uh, on your history with magic. 
So uh, I am. I, I kind of style myself style myself as a paranormal illusionist. I essentially do a mix of magic and mentalism. Uh, I'm very theatrical. It's all heavily influenced by uh, Victorian spiritualism. Uh, so the type of magic I do is kind of spooky and a little horror themed and ghostly. Uh, and I don't know how familiar you are with people like Darren Brown, but it's it's that type of world of kind of mind reading and a little bit getting into your into your head um and i I generally perform when we're not in the middle of a a global plague i usually perform at a place called the banshee labyrinth which is part of edinburgh's underground vault structure so i get to perform these spooky seance inspired magic shows in this old 200 year old vault which is under the ground and it's just it's so much fun and i really want to go back to work (laughs) I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do some mentalism on a show soon coming up. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, Cause see, I don't know about you, but uh, you see, I, I'm an older guy, and uh, you know, so what I think, I think of Max Maven, and I think of Kreskin, and uh, oh yes, yeah, I love that stuff. John, you, uh, you got quite the magic background too, and you're a Magic Castle member. Um, and uh, and good friends with Max Maven. And good uh, friends with Max Maven. Um, or friends with Max Maven. I don't know if we're good friends, but know him well. He's a, I don't he's think a anybody's big... good friends with Max. In fact, here's something. I'll tell you a quick Max Maven story. That first of all, Max Maven. He's he's famous. He he's 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 you know one of the great figures in magic. So I've always, you know, looked at Max from afar, thinking, "Ooh, there's Max Maven." Um, it was during a, a, a magic convention that uh, that um, a magic builder named John Gahn had a surprise for people. Houdini did a movie called The Master Mystery that featured a robot, the the cinema's first robot. And during a presentation, the robot came marching out into the audience and up on the stage. He had reconstructed the whole robot. There was a man inside of it. And so that was a very fun moment. And after that, Max Maven comes up to me and he has in his hand this little rivet. And he says, this fell off the robot, and I thought you would like to have it. And he gave it to me. <laughs> that, that's the moment I learned that Max Maven even knew who I was. So I, I cherish that, that, that rivet from Max Maven. Well, he didn't. That's he just amazing. read your mind. Uh, there you go. He must have read my mind. Ah, that would have been a perfect, uh, <laughs> a perfect thing to say at that moment. Maybe. <laughs> so, Ash, you uh, mentalism, spiritualism. You know the tricks of the trade, the ins and the outs. You know how this stuff is done. And um, like I said, I first came to know about your your show and your channel due to the episode on Houdini. Were you influenced by Houdini and his story in your presentation with his fight against spiritualism? So the the things I started out doing... Uh, were very actually inspired by the type of things Houdini was doing, the kind of the debunking of the fraudulent psychic world. Uh, in fact, my first first magic show was called How to Be a Psychic Con Man and kind of exposed a lot of uh, mainly more recent kind of metal bending, that type of thing. Um, so I'd always wanted to do things looking through the lens of Houdini and looking at things from his point of view when we were doing spooky history and putting it together. And... That was one of the first ideas was to look at kind of Houdini's debunking of people like Marjorie, um, Marjorie Crandon uh, and the stuff that he did. And then I was reading a, a comic book series uh, called Hocus Pocus, which uh, Professor Richard Wiseman consults on it. 
uh, and it's drawn by some absolutely wonderful artists. And they did an issue that looked at Rose Mackenberg, and I had never actually heard of Rose before, to my um, shame, really, because she's such an important part of the story. And just finding out about her, I, I instantly went to my writer and said, the Houdini idea we were talking about, I'd like us to focus really on Rose. Um, so that's kind of what really, really influenced that, just because of how interesting she was and how fascinating she was. But Houdini himself and people like James Randi, who I guess carried on his magical debunking legacy, uh, were a huge influence on on what I did when I was first starting out in the magical world because the things that they were doing I found genuinely interesting and I thought a modern audience would be interested in still seeing those type of things. That's uh it's funny. A um, couple things you just mentioned in that little, in that little uh, bit of time was Hocus Pocus magazine, which our friend John Cox, who is on with us tonight has quite a bit to do with. And James Randi, who I have a bit of a past with. I worked for PSYCOP for years, which was the original okay. Center for Inquiry. And James Randi used to come to town all the time. So uh, I got to know James Randi a bit. But uh, John, uh, you're with Hocus Pocus. Uh, well, well, I let's didn't... Let's blow his mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I didn't have anything to do with it. That's, it is an excellent, uh, an excellent comic book. <clears throat> but I'm actually in... That issue, there's a uh, there's a there's a large panel of the melee that goes on uh, in uh, in in the uh, well in the Capitol in in Congress, and Houdini is is punching is punching a person, and that person he's punching is me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even That's a little amazing. bubble that says "Wild." The name of my site is "Wild About Harry." Oh, and that wow. was a fantastic surprise. The, the the artist actually, I learned about it before it came out. The artist sent me the panel saying, is this okay? And I said, oh, my gosh, that is <laughs> that is more than okay. I am hugely flattered. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, Jordan, who who um, draws it, he's such a nice guy. I interact with him on Twitter quite a bit. And he does little things like that. He will, like, insert people just into the comics. And it's a beautiful little thing that he does. And that's amazing. Yeah, that is wonderful. Jordan, who does that? I thought that was just I was just super honored and, and, and tickled. The, you let him tickle you? Did he give you an orange at least? <laughs> I forgot to get the orange up front. <laughs> well, I hope it's a socially distanced tickle. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to put a link, if you don't mind, in the description for the show to that YouTube video because it really is. It, it's amazing. And... Uh, the cool thing about it is, after I watched that video, I said, you know, I'm going to hit that little like and subscribe button and that little bell that, that gives me all the notifications. And every episode you've done has been pretty kick-ass. So I, I got to say, I really love the show. Thank you. Um, I want to start out talking about that particular episode. Mm -hmm. And um, it it is such an important story that I don't think a lot of people realize Uh and you said you were taken aback by how big a part of the story she was. Mm -hmm. What uh, what did you end up learning during the process that just kind of changed your outlook on things? I mean, what is it that really stuck out to you? I really found it fascinating that Houdini had this kind of network of individuals among whom Rose was was one of the more prominent that would go out into the cities ahead of him and essentially scout out 
the psychics and the mediums and go to their events and kind of find out what they were doing and so then report back to Houdini so he could turn up and do his Houdini flourish essentially of just coming along and be able to instantly ex- explain it and I, I, I was I, I just found Rose herself such an interesting person and such a open person because she, she wasn't really going in this to just poo-poo everything and just to say oh this is all nonsense get over yourself because she started out um started out believing in in spiritualism and this world and so she was investigating uh and i'm sure john will be able to give them more specific details on this but she was investigating uh a, a psychic and it was during this investigation that she came to the attention of houdini who went hey i really like what you were doing with that do you want to do it more uh and just the way he kind of took her on board and the way she continued doing this after his death as well uh she'd go in costumes and really dress up and really get into it and it's the fact that there's not more about rose mackenberg out in the world the fact that i've been in this world for years myself the fact that i've uh looked at these people like houdini and james randy and the fact that i i had never actually come across rose mackenberg before um or at least if i had I hadn't come across her in a way that made her stay in my mind. Uh, and she's definitely one of those people that when, when we're doing all of these television dramas based on all of these historical characters, she's one of those people that actually, you know what? Give Rose Mackenberg a show <laughs> because I think there's a lot in her story and a lot that the, that she did that is not only interesting and entertaining, but I think important as well. And just as an individual, I find her absolutely fascinating and genuinely important in the history of magic, in the history of um, debunking. Uh, she's someone who who I've mentioned to people and they've gone, oh, I hadn't heard of her either. So it's it's amazing that there's a people do know, a lot of people do know who she is, obviously, but there's also a lot of people who don't and they should. And so that's one of the reasons I had to do the video that I just need to make sure that there is more rose in the world. I, I agree. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that it would really be a cool project. Um, hint, hint. Um, John, hint, uh, project, hint, hint. Um, to maybe do a book about rose or a screenplay or something. Um John, what what else do you know about her? Like, what became of her? What 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 happened to her later in life? Um, well, you know, I bet Ash is the one that could that could um, explain that because I, I I learned a lot from Ash's video. Actually, I always knew who Rose that Rose Mackenberg existed in in Houdini's world. That she was one of his investigators. She testified at at the congressional hearings. So so we know from that. But I didn't know until fairly recently the extent of her ghost busting that she even did, that she did it before Houdini and that she continued to have a ghostbuster career afterwards. It was really um, and I don't think a lot of people really understood the extent of, of, of her ghost busting after Houdini died until, you know, newspapers started getting digitized and people started finding these fantastic articles uh, about Rose Mackenberg and her various disguises. So, you know, while I've known who she was, I never really knew that much about her her activities and just what a what an interesting character uh, she was. So she is kind of being discovered. Um, uh, and uh, 
and it's exciting. And Ash's video is 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 part of that. It's a really good, um, um, uh, you know, little mini biography on Rose's uh, career. And then watching it, I was thinking, hey, I didn't know that. I I actually didn't know she had. I I might have learned it at some point, but it's out of my mind. But I was I was it was cool that he kind of found how they came together, that Rose had done an exposure and Houdini came to her. Uh, they were very similar, and I think they fed off of each other, and they were a good a good team. Yes, they, they really were. Um, and she accompanied him, obviously, to the, the hearings that happened in Washington, uh, and she she kind of explains in her in her book. Let me see if I can find the, the actual quote, actually. Um, she described Houdini as one of the most decent and God-fearing men who ever lived. She was a huge fan of Houdini. She referred to him as the boss and the master. Um, and I'm, ju- I'm just going through the, the script we had because there's some wonderful quotes that were kind of pulled out. Like, this is one. Even before I got on the train, I had a premonition that there were going to be fireworks the moment I started telling what I knew. Those were super strenuous days filled with n- near riots, a welter of conflicting testimony, shouted objections, muttered oaths, copious tears, and the most marvellous smashing demonstrations on the part of Houdini. Um, so she also um, she, she got um, ordained as a minister of spiritualism on six occasions, uh, and it was $25 a time now i don't know what the modern equivalent of that is it's probably about what two hundred dollars i think maybe today uh so she spends a lot of money getting ordained um and earned herself the nickname of the reverend uh as a result of that uh so she's really interesting and she's got so much to her um and she she talks about these um the congressional hearings that actually took place um as saying pandemonium or panic would be too pallid a term to apply for what followed just because of the uproar that actually happened just as a result of it you had people trying to attack houdini um they had to call for an adjournment uh, the bill ultimately didn't pass um the bill that was actually being being debated um but rose herself remembers it very very fondly and it's the relationship with houdini that's kind of centered to to that for her um she is later on in life in the 40s uh, she does kind of mention because obviously when houdini died there was this whole houdini seance thing that happened and you know for 10 years they kept trying to reach him there was a code word that houdini said that he would pass on that if he could come back through and rose in 1945 kind of says uh the message has not come through after all that time um and she just continued even after Houdini's death, she continues trying to debunk and she she investigates fraudulent mediums and psychics on behalf of various businesses, for the press, for law firms, uh, and did a tour around the US called Debunking the Ghost Racket, where she'd actually demonstrate things like table tipping and expose what was going on. So she carried on the legacy of Houdini and she carried on doing it. And it, it she's someone who... We just do need more of. We need to know more about Rose. We need to see her more prominently um, because she is a wonderful, fascinating individual and important historically uh, and magically. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's a a prominent figure to, um, to the women's movement too. I mean, she was a strong, outspoken woman, you know, in the time where you didn't see too much of that. And, uh, you know, yeah, Lauren, absolutely. who is our expert on, on, you know, the women's movement and feminism. I mean, what, what's your take on what Rose offered to the, uh, 
to the world. I mean, she really became a powerful voice. It was, it was unique. Um, I mean, it, I, I guess um, the fact that she was a woman made it easier for her to go into these places and um, be as a credible, um, credible, per- credible person as looking for somebody that had lost a loved one. But it's strange for a woman to do such, you know, um, something that you would think a man would do because it's investigative journalism, really. And it wouldn't, you wouldn't see a lot of women doing that. And it was very dangerous as well because you were breaking up people's livelihoods and, you know, it could have got very nasty for her. And it probably did. And going after a, a religion. I mean, it was very yes. brave. Um, and by the way, I just looked it up because I am a nerd. Um, each one of those um, ordained, uh, or, or what do they call it, ordainmentships, would be uh, $325 today. Wow, okay, so a little, little more than my estimate. But then if she's investigating for people, she may have got that money back. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, expenses. First her for all that. He wanted her to go as far as you can, you know, if they if they offer to make you a minister, go for it. Yeah, he he you know, he sent her in, he set her up and and she reported back to him. They they worked uh they worked uh together. One of the things I, I love about Rose, and I think you show it in, in, in your video, Ash, <clears throat> is her various disguises. She would mm-hmm. go in disguise, and not just a disguise, but she would go in as a character. And there's a newspaper article that shows her different characters. I wish I had it in front of me because they're a crack up, but I know the last one is the, the tipsy consultant, I think. <laughs> so she would go in as someone who's a little drunk, but she would go in as all the types of, of women that are or people that are being taken advantage of in the seance room. You know, yeah. It, it's amazing because, uh, even if you go to her Wikipedia page, uh, there's a series of photographs of her in different costumes. And she was this petite, darling little character that um, was so unassuming that I'm sure she got away with a lot of it because of that. It's really fascinating, some of these characters she's in. You know, there's one that looks like a, a mousy librarian and, mm-hmm. you know, one that looks like a rich uh woman from the 20s another one that looks like a flapper i mean you know another one that looks like the drunk investigator I mean, it's amazing one that looks like fucking mary poppins which is just crazy but uh yeah i don't know if the Wikipedia has the captions but that's from a newspaper article and each of them are captioned uh of what what character she's playing in them yeah i i have the the image up and they've got like you say the tipsy consultant but they've also got the vamp from the country and the woman seeking lost relatives you've got a credulous servant girl it's just the names that are given to them are absolutely wonderful yeah, um, believing and, semi-invalid <laughs> yeah there's, there's something very sherlock holmesian about this because yeah. one of the things we see about holmes all the time is his costuming and his character i take on so seeing someone in real life, like Rose Mackenberg, taking on something that is so famously linked with with someone like Holmes. It's just, it's really nice and almost feels too good to be true, but was. Do we know what Arthur Conan Doyle felt about Rose? Because that would have been a tension there, wouldn't it? Because A, she's taking on, um, she's taking on personas that he, that he did to help solve a, a crime, but then... Also, she's trying to help, you know, debunk his beliefs. Yeah, debunk his beliefs. Yeah. 
using his own skills against him. Uh, I, I, I didn't come across anything uh, that referenced Conan Doyle myself. Um, I'm not sure if my writer uh, came across, because I'm sure she would have come across even more. But uh, I can imagine Doyle probably wasn't a huge fan of her. I would imagine. Yeah. I uh, think probably um, she wasn't on his radar because, you know, during when she was working with Houdini debunking, she was largely undercover or the focus of Doyle was on Houdini. He was the one engineering all this. And then her career, her post-Houdini career, I think sort of starts after Doyle has died. Didn't Doyle die, like die in 1930 or something? You know what? You're right. Yeah. It, it was around about then, yeah. Yeah, so she 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 kind of emerges in in the secondary career. I think I think probably after that. So he probably never really um, was that aware of uh, of Rose as as Houdini's successor. Uh, but the disguise thing, going back to that, that was of course something Houdini did um, as well. So that was that was one of the things he encouraged for for seances to go in as a, in disguise as a character. Of course, he did it because he had to do it. I, I got a question. Uh, Lauren especially should answer this one. Um, is it wrong that I'm like really attracted to the um, tipsy consultant and the small town matron versions of Rose? Yes, please see a doctor. <laughs> Come on, take a look at those pictures. Got John Ash? Am I wrong? I no, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I can't there, lie. Maybe you need to ask yourself if that's if that's your type. <laughs> Uh, well, small town matron actually kind of looks like Sarah, which is creeping me out, Lauren, doesn't she? Um, I don't have the picture up. Let me have a look. Yeah, go to her Wikipedia page and look at the pictures. Although I do like Tipsy Consultant a little bit more, but uh, that one cracks me up. I she showed looks up. like she's having fun. Yeah, yeah. When I give uh, when I give lectures on Houdini spiritualism, I I tick through some of those, and I always end on Tipsy Consultant, and it gets a laugh. <laughs> Until the, except for guys like me in the crowd going. Huh, any more pictures of that? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of got a drunk face on. She looks, she does. She looks tipsy. She was a great actress. It really would be, of all the ideas of people thinking, oh, they, it should be a movie, um, it, Rose, there's there's a story there, especially her involvement um, with Houdini and her carrying on. Um, there really is something there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had so many TV shows that focus around this era as well, because we've had shows that focus on... Houdini's relationship with Doyle. We've had shows that focus more on on uh, Doyle. We've had shows that focus more on Houdini. We've had shows that focus on Harry Price. Um, so it would be nice to see something that focuses a little bit more on on what some of the women were doing at the time, and especially on what Rose Mackenberg was doing. I think for any writer, any creative, uh, I mean, I, I say that I, I'm someone who does playwriting as well. So I mean, I, I should just do it, shouldn't I? Really. <laughs> Sure, sure. If 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 you're a if you're a a playwright, you said. Yes, um, I, I I have written a few plays, um, usually staged during the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, haven't done for a couple of years because I've been focusing more on the magic, but it is something that I've I'm wanting to do more of. Um, and at the moment, uh, the Fox Sisters are something that I want to kind of do do something staged theatrically with, yeah. uh, and I think Rose could definitely definitely be something that goes on my must write about list sure, uh, she's sure. on mine too so uh, maybe we could do something together i mean uh... yeah 
And just to say, I have now seen the picture, and I think the small town matron should be Sarah's Halloween costume. Doesn't it look Sarah's my <laughs> yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, it does. It actually does look like Sarah, so it doesn't. It doesn't look so like Sarah. But no, uh, no, no, it, it does. But you know, the tipsy investigator, kind of hot. <laughs> hey, Ash, what what did your um, writer use as research? Um, so uh, the primary source that she used as research was uh, there's a collection of Rosa's newspaper articles from 1929 that were a selection of them were bundled together in a book called um, I think it's called Houdini's Girl Spy. Um, and by that's yeah. Yes, that's it. So that was the, the primary source that she was using. So she was using Rosa's uh, own words. And I think some of the pictures that I used in the video came from that book as well um so that was that was mainly where she got it from okay okay yeah i I figured that probably was one of the reasons i bring it up um a few years ago actually probably more than a few years ago but it was in the lifetime of my blog um someone put up on ebay the unpublished manuscript of rose mackenberg Uh, they also at the same time put up a crystal ball which they said had belonged to houdini but it was like this Rose Mackenberg lot. And at the time, I remember contacting them and because um, it didn't sell. They were asking an outrageous amount of money. It was one of those eBay listings. And I believe I exchanged a few emails with them, but I never knew what happened with that. Um, so I've always been curious. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> But it exists out there. And uh, and I remember at the time, I think our, our email conversations was I was saying, you know, this is something that would be would be publishable. I think people people would be would be interested in this. And when the when the Wolf book came out, I initially thought, oh, is that it? Mm. Uh, but I don't think it is, although a lot of it is in Rose's own words. But I believe you're right. That is a collection of newspaper um, articles because yeah. she did quite a few uh, newspaper articles yeah she did and there's some wonderful pictures that that are included in the book as well i think one of the earliest investigations she did uh involved a medium who had a drum on stage and the drum would play by itself or the spirits would play the drum and it, it, she discovers there's actually a circus um i'm not sure what the the modern acceptable language is uh, a surfer, circus uh small person uh was actually hidden inside the drum banging the drum from the inside and there's a great little picture drawing of of that an artist's interpretation of this this little guy inside the drum banging away at it and it's just beautiful do you do you know um that just reminds me of uh is everyone here familiar with the film todd browning's film freaks Mm -hmm. yes okay um one of the famous sideshow performers in that film was johnny eck the half boy He's just literally the torso, but he walks on his hands throughout the movie. And uh, he got his start in show business in a magic show because he was actually a twin. And his brother was full-bodied, uh, had his legs and everything, and they would do the sawing a man in half trick with a magician, where the brother would pretend to be some, you know, drunk in the audience complaining that it wasn't real, and he'd get thrown in the casket, sawn in half, and when they'd open it, here comes Johnny with no legs running on his hands across the stage. I just love that image. <laughs> that, uh, Whoa, I would love that, to see that show. What? That is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Rose, I, back to Rose before we move on to some of the other episodes, because 
someone's got to do a full project on Rose, a screenplay or a play or something, because she really is that incredible a character. Um, in, in fact, she's the kind of character that you'd write about and everyone would say, oh, you made that up. It's one of those, you're just trying to cash in on this feminism bandwagon. It's like, no, she was that badass. Yeah, she really was. And something has to be done. Do you think really she really got is. canker sores from all the oranges Houdini gave her? <laughs> <laughs> he had probably moved on from the oranges at that stage. <laughs> he didn't need the oranges at that stage. He had street cred. <laughs> I, the thing is, I um, I mean, one of the reasons why I've I've thought long and hard about this manuscript being out there is that I think ultimately it's pretty limited in what we know. You know, we have her writings, we have her in investigations, but I don't know that much about her. Where was she was born? Was she married? You know, when did she die? I, there's uh, when you when you begin to look at, at at her life, and maybe your researcher experienced this, or maybe they didn't. I, it's it's limited. Um, what what mm. we know what we know about her. Yeah, that does that does seem to be the case that there is there is information out there about her, um, and there's lots of her writings that are out there about her. Um, but kind of the the small elements of her life, like her kind of birth and her death, uh, seem to be less easy to to discover. Yeah. Um, than some of her contemporaries, and it, the information must be out there. Um, it it has to be out there somewhere. Yeah, you know, you, you, you hope so. One thing I've, I've discovered, you know, it's amazing. You know, I research Houdini intensely, and I you can just find everything. Uh, but boy, you go a little bit outside of Houdini to his family or to people he worked with, and you realize, you know what? It's really hard to get information about someone who lived 90-plus years ago. It just isn't there. And, uh, you know, we begin to think, well, it's all findable, but... Um, it is when it's someone like Houdini, whose life is well-documented. But unless you find diaries and stuff, it's amazing how hard it is actually to discover personal details about people who lived so long ago. And that's kind of the problem with, with Rose, is when we, when we move beyond her, her activities with Houdini, um, you, just don't, you just don't know. She seems, to have, she seems to appear, has her career, and then disappears. Well, well, it's odd because, you know, she lived a long life. I mean, she didn't die until what, 1968, 1969. Wow. So there's got to be stuff about her. I remember reading that she would actually appear on local talk shows in New York, even into the 50s and 60s. Really? And, and I think nationally she was on Steve Allen's show a couple times. Oh, wow. boy. Well, there's then there's stuff to pursue. I mean, it's just yeah. that, that someone needs to really go after it. Cause mm. Wouldn't that be incredible to see her especially if she's talking about houdini you know with me it's everything's in terms of her relationship with houdini but um yeah wow rose yeah there's there must be things it i i'm the more we talk about rose mackenberg the more i just keep coming back to her because this i I think the video i did on her is probably my favorite one um and just the more we talk about it the more it's just sparking my my mind and my imagination and wanting to do even further deeper dives into this um i i I would imagine i i don't know what things like census records are like over in the states but obviously she was born around about the turn of the century so that's long enough ago that i would imagine it would be publicly available information yeah she was born in the 1890s in new york so it should definitely be there so i guess starting with brooklyn um 
birth, marriage, death index would be a place we'd start, I guess. And she, uh, I think she remained in New York her whole life. Um, and like I said, she lived until almost 1970. I want to say it was very late 60s, 68, 69, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. She doesn't look young to me during the Houdini days. Yeah, I think she looked young and hot, okay? <laughs> Are we going to have to go back to that? Anybody look up that picture of, uh, you know, uh, the tipsy one? Pretty hot. You talked about the fox sister. She doesn't need a sister. She's just a fox. <laughs> but also, her, you know, her courage. Um, I, I read back through the transcripts of, of her uh, testimony in D.C. That took a lot of courage. I mean, she, she sits up there and she she confronts not only kind of the senators, but also she's busting a medium. Well, Mrs. you know. Uh, on, on the spot, and Mrs. Coates is yelling things, and she just is steady, and Houdini just even lets her just say her piece. You get a sense of how kind of fearless uh, she is in this pursuit and confident. I don't want to spread false rumors or allegations or knock anybody for anything, but it's also possible that she would have been easily attacked and she might have stayed underground for a reason because there's some evidence um, that she may not have led the most straight and narrow life, if I may say. She remained single her whole life. She never married, and she was quite, um, for lack of a better term, ballsy and outspoken, which, you let's face it, you know how she'd have been labeled. Yeah. Um, you know, and as horrible as that is, that could be a reason why, you know, she kept a lower profile. I wonder. I wonder. Mm. But uh, I know that's horrible to say, and it makes it sound like we're the raw, we're horrible people for even bringing that up. But we're not talking about 2021. We're talking about 1920, 1930, 1940. The world was a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And spiritualists, you know, certainly in Houdini's case, they would, they were very anti-Semitic and they were not shy about bringing that into, into the argument. So they would, you know, they would attack people, people personally. Yeah. And they would have attacked sexuality, even if it weren't true. It it could also be that, um, it wasn't important to her to be in the spotlight unless she was, unless it was for her work. And other than that, she didn't think she was interesting enough. And by not courting um, the publicity, she's keeping herself private as well, which means that all that people know is what she says about them. So she, it could just be she's only in the papers when she had something to say. I think Lauren's probably right on about that. I think certainly during the Houdini days, you know, she worked for Houdini, as, as Ash yeah. says, called him the master or the boss. Um, I don't I don't know of any of his other agents. And he had a whole little a whole secret service. But a big part of that was that they remained secret. Rose seems to be the only one that is uh, that's brought out into into public view, including the D.C. Uh, hearings. And it's probably because she was the most skilled and fearless and and and, and you know, knew what she was talking about. But uh, she's the only one that he he made public but i think during yeah. his time she probably stayed largely underground because she needed yeah. to for her work and also that was that was that was her job and also yes yeah, so it could be sorry. that she knew other members of the secret service so the less she said the less she was out in public the safer that they were as well yeah yeah it was i would one imagine of the things we 
I, I would imagine that she, they would know who the other ones were just in case they came across each other. Yeah. Now, when when we were putting the video together, it, the one thing that did kind of come out was that during Houdini's lifetime, at least, she did try to keep a low profile. Um, and coming out to the congressional hearings was one of the kind of exceptions. Uh, and then obviously a few years later, she did write her, her column. But there's something very, uh, very, I don't know if introverted is the right word, but something very uh, low-key about writing. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite the same as being on stage in front of people or being interviewed by others and being in the limelight yourself. It allows you to to step back. Uh, so even though she was writing, that that could still line up with the idea of wanting to keep a lower personal profile. Right. That makes that makes sense. Boy, I'd be so interested in knowing if she had a relationship with uh, Joseph Dunninger, who um, who also kind of picked up the the uh, the, the mantle from Houdini and exposed mediums and wrote books on it and really kind of he saw himself as the one who was carrying that on i wonder if her and, and dunninger had any um interactions positive or negative maybe he saw her as <laughs> as, as as a little too too little too attractive to the media when he wanted to be or maybe they they worked together uh, i don't know Again, or randy i mean if she lived into the late 60s you know she very well could have had something to do with randy too Boy, that would have been something to ask Randy. If she lived that late, he may have... I wonder. I wonder if they would have just missed each other. Because, you know, mm. Randy's an escape artist in, in, in the 60s. Does he really get into the paranormal stuff until until the 70s? They might nah, have just... it was really Geller that brought him out into the... Yeah, he might not have had that interest to, to, to pursue her. But I don't know. That would be... It would be a, that would be a... That would have been a question for him. Now, we do want to talk about a few other things, and we're already getting close to an hour, which is just amazing. We could talk for, you know, 20 hours on Rose alone, but um, mm-hmm. you, uh, back to your your uh, background in, in spiritualist magic and seance magic, and were you a believer, and is that how you got into it, or was you always pursued it from a magic standpoint, or are you still a believer? Um, you so, know how to fake it, but you believe it might be real. I mean, what, what, where, where's you, where do you come from on this? So, um, I'm the founder of the Edinburgh Skeptical Society, so Atta that boy. should probably inform you a little bit about my stance on it. Um, but uh, certainly when I was younger, I think belief in in things like ghosts and psychics was one of the last beliefs I kind of had, and that hung around until my mid twenties when I was working for one of the ghost tours in Edinburgh. Um, when I moved to Edinburgh, I, I was pursuing a career as an actor. And one of the things that all actors in Edinburgh do at some point is work for the ghost tours. Uh, and it was kind of working there, going in there day in, day out into this allegedly most haunted location in the world, uh, one of them. And as you go in there each day with people, it kind of made me start to see why people were experiencing certain things in certain ways. And I thought, oh, I want to look into this a bit more. And as I started looking into it a bit more, I came across um, uh, people like James Randi and people like uh, maybe familiar with Professor Richard Wiseman, Chris French, uh, those type of individuals who research uh, the psychological phenomena behind paranormal experiences. And that got me really, really interested in it. And then I started looking at things like like Geller and a chap called James Heydrich, who was very famous for a very short period of time in the early 80s. Uh, who used to do a, 
a pencil telekinesis bit and i started being really interested in that and i'd always been interested in the supernatural and the paranormal and all of a sudden everything i'd been interested in the world of performance the world of the supernatural the world of the paranormal all this started to kind of crash together and about uh about 11 or 12 years ago i suddenly found myself starting to step into a a different career direction and it all kind of came from this interest in the paranormal this interest in the supernatural and i've always been interested in victorian history especially and so again that gets roped into it because we've got the birth of spiritualism and we've got the golden age of magic and we've got the golden age of spiritualism i guess everything just kind of crashes together and you speak to a lot of performers a lot of magicians and they're all like uh, oh yeah i got my first magic kit when i was seven and i opened it up and i was immediately enamored by this world of magic and i was sucked in and when i was eight years old i got a magic set and i hated it um, <laughs> so I, I was i was very much a late convert but uh, when when i when i was converted to this entire world it was just something that really took over and i just kind of ran with and so that's kind of where i come from uh in my background so i my interest in performing my interest in the supernatural my interest in the skeptical world all kind of leads me down this path of becoming what I call a paranormal illusionist. Uh, and my interest in history and the supernatural is obviously retained um, because I, I now do the spooky history shows as well, which was something I started. Uh, we started filming them a few months into lockdown, and I wanted to make sure I was a few episodes ahead before we started actually broadcasting them. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'm from. It, it, they, they are excellent. I mean, they um, are. the first episode you did on uh, Spring Hill Jack and, um, you know, for, like I said, I went back and watched all of them and, and I'm hooked uh, and people, you got to check out this channel. Um, what are some of the topics you've got coming up? You want to give us a little teaser? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we've got a few topics coming up and uh, I, I need to get the pronunciation of this one correct so i'm i'm just gonna pop into my uh follow my desktop to make sure i get the pronunciation of this correct purveyor um it's it's an island just off the coast of of italy near venice and that's an episode that's going to be coming up soon it's essentially plague island oh, nice. uh, where they used to ship a load of the plague victims uh and so it's got it's got stories of hauntings connected with that as well uh, we've also just put together an episode on a, a young young boy who was accused of witchcraft. Again, this is actually in Leicester again. Um, as a story that I kind of stumbled across and thought, well, this is quite interesting. Let's kind of dig deep into this. So there's not there's not a great deal on it. It's just essentially a, a young boy who was accused of witchcraft. That really wasn't. Um, it was it was kind of a, a fraudulent case. Uh, and do you really have to say that weren't all alleged witchcraft cases fraudulent cases? Well, yeah, um, <laughs> um, but this was kind of intentional. Um, so, so those are the, some of the stories we've got coming up. Uh, R.H. Uh, Becky, Rebecca, she's uh, also written one on Kelpies, uh, Storm Kelpies, which is a Scottish phenomena. Uh, so we're going to be talking about those. It's very much associated with the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, and they're these uh, creatures that come up during storms. Um, and so if you're out at sea, you need to be very, very careful and cautious of these. Uh, so there are a couple of the episodes we've got coming up. And I, at some point, we've got some that I'm really keen to to write. Uh, I obviously wanted, I want to do one on the Fox Sisters at some point. But there's one that I'm really desperate to do. And it's, it's I don't know if you heard of this. 
Um, the uh, Cock Lane Ghost. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, it's got the name of the Cock Lane Ghost. Um, the name of the Cock Lane Ghost is <laughs> is certainly a little less appropriate in the UK yeah, than it is in the awful. US. Yeah, it's scratching. Awful. Scratching Fanny, the ghost of Cock Lane. Wait a second, uh, Scratching Fanny's more offensive than Cock Lane? <laughs> um, I don't I think mean, you're UK, taking us they're... US people, uh, you're giving us the credit for Cock Lane. I, don't, I mean, in the UK, Fanny Dick, and Dick, Cock Dick are very drive. interchangeable. <laughs> well, they're connected, interconnected at least. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, UK Fanny is in a slightly different location. You know John's American last name Fanny. is Cox, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there's this there's this fraudulent spiritualist case. I say spiritualist; it's not really spiritualism because it's 80 years before spiritualism. But uh, there's this fraudulent case where a priest and a young child basically conspire to create this ghost, which falsely accuses a man of murdering his wife, and it gets the Lord Mayor of London involved, and it gets Samuel Johnson involved, and there's poetry written about it, and there's restoration theatre put on about it, and it's just this huge scam that takes place in the 1760s, and it's kind of one of those that I'm putting off for the time being, because I want to re- wait until we're, I'm kind of right in the right mindset for it, because it's going to be such a, a, an incredibly bizarre episode. Um, it is. It's a very bizarre story. I just love the fact and it's set in a pub as well. Yes, it's set in a pub. Can as I well, just say so that I'm so immature? That I'm just so immature that I love the fact that on a story about Cock Lane, there's someone named Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Of course, no, yeah. Not. Um, Johnson, the the chap who. Um, <laughs> wrote the dictionary i believe it was um or was one of the first people to work on the dictionary uh samuel johnson who i only know about that because of that episode of blackadder <laughs> boy i'm getting a vision this sounds like a very monty python to could you do a video you should do an april fool's video where you know you are your straight serious person but every sentence is a double entendre on cock or Johnson or oh, something. I will filthy. help you write that. And just, just <laughs> do it completely straight faced. But, uh, you know, some people will never catch on. Others will realize that every every single <laughs> sentence is some sort of a <laughs> of a turn oh, up. Oh, no, double entendre. Yes. And that would that is also, very, also very British as well. So it very much fits. <laughs> it feels very British. It feels very Monty Python. And it the, does. the fun of really writing does. that would be just write down words like, Cocker, Johnson, Johnson. That, can, that can play both both ways. Oh uh, yeah, Look that forward. would be good fun. Oh God, I, I I'm so sorry that I'm so immature. But you know there are people still laughing at home listening to yeah. this right now, yeah. and they're still laughing because you know what? It's funny. It is. It Dick is. Jokes it are is. scratching Fanny, oh. the ghost of Cock Lane. Scratching Fanny, the ghost of Cock Lane. And can you imagine? Because I went on a ghost tour there, and it was Neil that was leading the ghost tour. And can you imagine? <laughs> you know, I took one of those ghost tours in in Edinburgh. Actually, um, this was a long time ago. This would have been nineteen eighty nine, I think. But yeah, and I loved it. Loved it. Oh, they are they're incredibly good fun. Um, some of them need a bit more of a pinch of salt than the others but um they are they're just such good fun and even though i'm i'm a skeptical person i enjoy them there is just something fun about going into these old spooky unsettling unnerving places i mean when i used to work for one of them uh, i was part of the underground vaults and 
sometimes I'd have to lock up by myself. And even though by this stage, I I was like, well, I know what's happening here. I know why people are experiencing X, Y, and Z. Even then, I'm I'm darting through there to get out because I've got to go through there and turn out all the lights. Mm-hmm. That was my job at the end of the night, at just after midnight, to walk through what is claimed to be one of the most haunted locations in the world and turn out all the lights by myself. And, you know, John uh, goes into one of the most mm-hmm. haunted locations in the world, the, the Magic Castle, and uh, never had an experience, have you? I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. <laughs> um, wow, we're going to have to wrap this up soon. But I think we're going to have to do a part two because you are just amazing. Yes. And uh, I, I, I love the show. I love the topics. Um, I wanted to talk about so much more that, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to have time to do today because they limit us on time on these damn podcasts, stupid hosting sites. <laughs> um, but there are a couple more questions we have to get out of the way before we let you go. Like, yep, sure. Because you know, they're important. Like, A, is Pluto <clears throat> a planet? <gasps> no, we Sorry? retired this question, Brian. No, 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 no. What's the no, question? No, no, stop this. Is Pluto a planet? He's obsessed. Pluto a planet? Pluto's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> there was some interference, some static. Pluto's uh, a dog. Yeah. Thank you. Did you ever play the Oregon Trail? <laughs> oh, I I didn't know. I've seen screenshots from it um, of everyone dying of dysentery, and that's, that's about what I was it. Ask. If you did, did you get dysentery? Because everyone does. <laughs> um, I didn't know. The other thing is, will you come back on the show, um, become yes. a friend of Transatlantic History Ramblings, possibly guest host at times like John does with us, um, promote, advertise, you know, we can uh, work on some projects together because you're just a fascinating guy and I love your show and I love your attitude. And uh... I have had a lot of fun um, genuinely uh, recording this. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to. And... Uh, yeah, you don't think Brian's the obnoxious one when Lauren's just wonderful and dainty and sweet. <laughs> Tell the world. You're you're all wonderful. <laughs> we get emails about you, Brian. We do. Um, we've gotten some interesting emails lately, by the way. Um, oh no. <laughs> actually, nothing Where but positive we... stuff. So that's 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 weird. I'm worried. It is. It's worrying. Oh um, goodness. The other question to sing. <laughs> we have gotten praising on your singing, by the way. Oh. And for those who did not listen to our Christmas ramblings episode, Lauren actually sings in Welsh. Oh. And uh, so all I... jokes aside, absolutely gorgeous voice. And this was without warming up, without standing up to sing from the dive room, just sitting in her chair. We we talked her into it and kind of forced her, and she sang a verse, and it is gorgeous. So the the most recent episode, the most recent episode that we just put out was on uh, the Mary Lewid. Um, I probably got that wrong then as well. Um, no, no, that's good. Yes, Mary excellent, Lewis. fantastic. I, I, I went on to Facebook and asked some of my friends like, how how do I pronounce this because I wanted to make sure that I got it as right as possible. So I'm glad to know that I did. Uh, but yeah, there was um, some songs on there as well that obviously I just kind of read out the what the lyrics were. But hearing them sung would have been wonderful. Well, you know what? I'll tell you right now. I'm going to make this promise. She has no saying it. I'm going to mute her microphone right now. (laughs) If you come back on the next time, bring some of those lyrics. We'll get Lauren to sing in Welsh for you. It's a deal. 
And um, the other question I have mm-hmm. is, and this will be the last one, I promise we'll let you go, <clears throat> that uh, are there any topics that you wanted to do that you might have been scared off of doing and decided you didn't want to rock the boat on? Ooh. Um, We've had a few here, not, so. Yeah, not yet. Um, I, I think when it's we're looking at kind of the spookier, ghostier side of history, there are fewer um, scenarios we're going to come into contact with where we're going to have to go, oh, should we do this or not? Uh, whereas more general history, of course, there's lots of topics where you kind of go, we shouldn't. Um, yeah. But no, not, not, not yet. There hasn't been anything we've come across that we've gone, no, we shouldn't do that. Um, so we will see. Maybe they will. I mean, we're aiming to do it weekly. So at some point we may well come across something where we go, we'd like to talk about that, but we probably shouldn't. I mean, I imagine... I imagine there are ghost stories associated with things like um, the Holocaust that we would probably avoid. Um, So we would probably avoid things like that uh, because even though we are talking about ghosts and the deceased, we do still try to keep a little lighthearted. So I I think something around, around there we would probably avoid. Um, But so far, no. John, do you have any other questions before we let Ash go? Um, I think I'm good. Just, uh, want to compliment him again on a really well done, um, podcast on Rose. Thank you for introducing her to the world and also to, 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 to me. Thank you very much. And Lauren, you got anything, any questions or anything you want to say? You're going to get me into trouble with all the singing. That's what I want to say. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Mr. Ash Price, host of the amazing YouTube series, Spooky History. Um, Check it out, like it, subscribe, follow it. Um, It's just a great show, and uh, you're amazing, and I hope you come on more often and become a a friend podcast of the show, and uh, hope we can work together. Absolutely. Love to. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Wow, that was fun. Um, yeah, that was. I'm definitely going to get on Ancestry now. Once my all my <clears throat> essays are handed in and everything, I've got about a week where I don't have any significant amount of reading to do because coronavirus has put everything in a spiral. So there's no pre-reading for next semester. So I'm going to go on Ancestry and I'm going to go and try and find Rose. Uh, and she's so cute. She was so adorable. Definitely, and I hope that you take the time to explain to Sarah how her uh, Halloween costume has been chosen for her. Yeah, and maybe we can try to get Sarah to dress up. Maybe, ooh, what if I could get her to dress up as the tipsy one? That's between you and Sarah. Uh, oh, and Cleo. She would Cleo, Cleo would have to have a say in it. Well, if you, if you just told her that Cleo wants her to, or just bought her the costume... And got Cleo to sit on top of it with a note saying, <laughs> I bought this for you for Halloween. I mean, how could you refuse a cat buying you a Halloween costume? Oh, I love it. And uh, and John, how great is it that John yes. came on and uh, joined us and brought you an orange? He did bring me an orange. <laughs> I hope Kirk don't get jealous. Well, he's going to have to up his game. Uh, uh, I mean, I know. I mean, that was a, I'm, I'm sure that was a Californian orange as well, you know. Yeah, I know. I don't think he's going Mm -hmm. and buying imported oranges for you. Hey, you know, I got a question for you. That just reminds me, and it's going to be a weird little tangent, but uh, they don't grow oranges in in, in the UK, do they? 
No. Well, kind of. You have orangeries, which are just basically a fancy name for um, for conservatories, where you would be able to grow an orange. But and you can buy small orange trees in the summer, um, in 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 the garden centres, but they wouldn't last too long with a frost because you've got to be very careful with the roses and everything with a frost. So I, I wouldn't imagine an orange tree would last very long, and you certainly wouldn't be able to grow big oranges. No, so your citrus fruit that you grow primarily is lemon and limes. Yes. So you don't get many fresh oranges there, do you? Um, you, you can buy a fresh. So orange, you'd be yeah. really uh, you could uh, you could be swayed with an orange. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get letters. We're gonna get letters. Yeah, you're gonna get letters, and I and I and, and I'm sure John will never agree to come on. The show again. And what we're going to get probably is fruit baskets sent to us for you. <laughs> oh, can you imagine uh, if we if we did have a PO box like the Strange Sessions? Yeah, here's a here's a fruit basket for Lauren. Um, wow, uh, Ash Price. Yeah, folks, that that channel is great. And Lauren, thank you for turning me on to it. Uh, You're very welcome. Well, it was John that turned me on it from. Uh, uh, John turned you on with an orange. Look, come on, don't lie. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that um, was so much Yeah, fun. from his website. Stop. Poor John. Oh, what a great show. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is exactly what I needed after this week. Is, uh, you know, it's been fun. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and it helped distract me a little bit and get me out of my, uh, my depression and my funk. And once again, do you think I picked the wrong time to quit smoking? Yes, I told you this. I, I think, <laughs> I think you did pick the wrong time, and um, I wouldn't blame you if you started smoking again. No, I blame myself though. And uh, in reality, folks, there's never a bad time to quit smoking because it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous and a bad habit. I'm not going to tell people that I didn't enjoy it because I loved every minute of it. Um, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not going to lie. Some of the greatest moments of my life involved smoking and I, I, I loved it but you know i'm at that age where i want to get to another age so uh, i had to stop to be fair most of your favorite moments involved you smoking cigars with celebrities Let, let's let's say that that's true that's true um but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and uh Thank you uh, for helping me through this funky week, too. So, uh... Well, anytime. I mean, it, it must be really scary because um, it, we've, we had riots um, a few years ago, and, um, but we've not had anything significant like that. Uh, definitely not. And we've had it, you know, we had those terrorist attacks, but not, even those weren't to the same level of extreme violence as you saw there. You know, it was something like the handmade style. Yeah, this is the, uh, the 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 first time since the War of 1812 this happened to our capital. wonder who was responsible for that one. Oh. It was the British, we know. I know. And, and you know that I know. Yeah, 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 thanks. Thanks, England. Yeah, but uh, I'm not English, I'm Welsh. You're UK. It's a happy United Kingdom. Well, not if you, bl- not if you blame me. It, it, it is. It is the United Kingdom, and it was the government of the United Kingdom. But if you're going to blame them for stuff, it's we always say, oh, England. Yeah, fuck England. England. Get <laughs> yeah, indeed. 
Well, I'm going to wrap this one up and uh, put a bow on it. And, uh, you know, we'll be talking again very soon because uh, we got some great episodes coming up and uh, some great surprises. I got it. Uh, um, yeah, got some good stuff coming up. So for now, from Brian and Buffalo. And Lauren and Swansea. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs>